Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Nine one one. What is your emergency? I just witnessed a car accident. Um, it was right in front of me. Okay. Can you um, tell me maybe what happened? Uh, it seems like they might have hit a patch of ice. They spun around and then went down in the ditch. Um, okay. Well, I see your location, so I will be sending emergency personnel out to you. Where is the car now? Um, it is on its roof. It's upside down. Um, it's it's way down in the ditch. It's really low. I don't know how people are going to get out of there. Um, I don't see anybody moving around. Can you tell, are you in your car? Um, yes, I, I'm, I'm in my car on the side of the road. I, I didn't want anybody to fall in after them. Did you, um, can you see how many people are in the car? I, I, I'm not sure, at least a couple. Just stay on the phone with me and policemen will be there um, as soon as they can. Okay, okay, I, I see them coming right now. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so concerned about these people. Okay, well, they will take over from here. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you so much for sending them so quick. Okay, you are welcome. But this morning service, an individual came up to me after service right here in front and put their arms around me and said, Pastor, as soon as that siren went off, it set alarm off in me. They said, I got uh, PTSD, and whenever I hear a siren go off, it sets off my PTSD. It makes me get anxious, makes me get nervous, it gets me wondering what's going on. But that's the whole purpose of 911, that whenever you hear a siren or see a fire truck or a police officer or whatever, it alerts us that something is happening. I remember when I was a kid, and maybe you guys can remember this again, I'm dating myself, but how many remember Lost in Space? Remember Lost in Space? But one of the favorite lines that would happen in Lost in Space whenever they would come up against opposition, they would say, warning, Will Robinson, warning, Will Robinson. And all the sirens would go off in that spaceship, and everybody started to panic and get crazy on the spaceship. Warning, Will Robinson, warning, Will Robinson. In other words, something was happening or danger was taking place. When we hear a siren, that's what happens to us. Automatically we react that something's happening and something's taking place. Well, my whole motive is that we have alarms going off in our hearts about those that do not know Jesus Christ. If you're new here today, we started the series last week. We talked about touching the lost, touching the sick and the afflicted. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus spells it out. He spells it out there, and this is our anthem verse that we're going to be talking about every week for the, for the next couple weeks. But Jesus talking to the disciples or the Pharisees and those that man the Sadducees, he's talking to them, the educated ones, that there's, there's a need for a doctor. And the doctor is not in a physical sense, but there's a doctor in need of the spiritual sense. How many of you know that Jesus is the bridge between us and God? And that Jesus said, I come to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds. That Jesus said, any man claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did. Our role is to walk as the Lord did and be the bridge for people to come to know God through you. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, I love how he says this. And he's speaking to him again. He said, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. And what he's referring to, he's not talking about the physical doctor. He's talking about a spiritual aspect, that you need a spiritual aspect. I always say that God heal me physically, but then God heal me spiritually. You see, there's two dimensions where God wants to touch you at. He wants you to be whole physically, but most first and foremost that God wants you to be healed at is spiritually. That God wants to make sure that your heart is lined up with him, that you have a relationship with God. You see, many times people think, and I want you to write this down, it's not on your notes. People think that this, that God, I'm religious. I'm a religious person. You know, God doesn't want religion because religion is man's search for God. That, God, I'm looking, I'm searching for you. That that's what religion is. That, God, I'm searching, I'm seeking you. But God wants not religion. He wants a relationship. 
There's a difference between religion and relationship. God doesn't want a religious person that knows all the ins and outs and the do's and the don'ts. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to become intimate with you. And how do you do that? By accepting him as Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do that in your life, that's what happens to you. You become healthy, not only physically, but most of all, spiritually. If you ever noticed when Jesus took took the emblems of communion, he said, by his stripes, you are healed, representing physically and also emotionally. But you ever wonder why we do the blood? Ever notice why he says the blood? What does the blood do? The Bible says in Isaiah that the blood washes us as white as snow. So the reason why we do the emblems is because when we partake of the emblems, we're representing the body that was broken for us to be healed physically as well as spiritually. And after we do that and we take the cup or we take the blood, it washes us And it removes the tarnish out of our lives to make us healthy in the things of God. So he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but he said, the sick. It's the sick. If you ever notice, what is the sick? The sick are those who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're lost. There's a divide. There's a separation between them and God. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, which is you and I. He hasn't called to come to the righteous, but he's called the sinners. As I mentioned last week, there's only one place where Jesus gets jealous at, and that is that, that he doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want to lose anyone. He gets mad when he sees one being lost for the sake of going to hell or going to a place where he doesn't want to see us go. And that's where Jesus gets lost. But listen, as you have your notes, listen, the sick are the ones without Christ. They have not heard or received Jesus or Christ into their lives. That's the ones he's referring to as without Christ, those that don't know Jesus. So he calls them sick, not because maybe they're sick physically, but they're sick spiritually. And God is like the mechanic that wants to tune you up. He wants to take your carburetor, that's baby backfiring, and he wants to fine-tune you inwardly so that you can run outwardly smooth. And you got to change what's inside. So God says, i got to change and tweak and turn around their heart condition in their lives so that they can run physically better. You see, what's happened in the inside. I don't know about you, but yesterday I changed the oil on my car. And you know how I learned how to change the oil on my car? No kidding. I promise you, I didn't know how to change the oil because I didn't have a father figure to show me how to change oil. So one day when I got married to my wife, I said, honey, I need to change the oil on the car, but I don't know how to do it. Lo and behold, my wife was a farmer's girl. She said, honey, I know how to do that. (laughs) So I'll never forget, we're on, this is no kidding, we're in the ghetto of the ghetto on, on Plymouth Avenue there in Pillsbury, excuse me, on Pillsbury Avenue there in the heart of Minneapolis. And I mean to tell you, we're in the ghettos of the ghetto, and we're in this big parking lot, right? And we didn't have hoist or a jack or anything. So I got this bright idea, well, my wife did. Honey, just drive up over the curve, and that way we can get the car off the ground, and then you can get underneath it. So then my wife, of all things, she's crawling under there, and she's telling me, you guys can get that plug right there. Just turn that plug and put, make sure you got the pan under there and make sure that man, you, it doesn't run all over the place. So my wife showed me how to change oil. And, man, when that oil came out, guess what? It was all black. It was sooty. You can almost feel it, man. It had man, it, like graphite in it. It just felt really grainy. It's because it was dirty. And sometimes what happens, what God wants to do, he wants to do an oil change in the sick person's life. And the only way he can do that is by pulling a plug of sin and bringing righteousness in. That God wants to change us from the inside out. And what happens when my car ran smooth yesterday and I got done? I put in full uh, synthetic oil. Guess what? My car went down the road. And you know what I'm saying? He was singing a song. I'm happy and you know what say amen. My car was singing to me, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. Man, my car was going down the road. I went from 21 miles to a gallon to 25. And guess what I was doing? And I'm happy and I know it, say amen. Amen. And, you know, amen. You know why? Because it was clean. And that's what God wants to do with you. 
He wants to change your oil. He wants to change the sick person's heart. And he wants to make you run smooth again. And that's what he means. But listen to this. I love this. When God gave this to me, this is no kidding. When I wrote this at my cabin, and when God spoke to me about this point right here, I honestly can tell you, I laid my head on the table and I just began to cry. Because what, how true this point is. Watch this. You see this? I love this. When we are sick, when we are sick, we go to the doctor. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We go to the doctor. We tell the doctor our need. We tell our doctor what's going on in our lives. Man, when you go to the doctor and your hand's hurting, you're not going to tell the doctor that your foot's hurting. you got to say, hey, my hand's hurting. And what does the doctor do? He examines your hand. You have to tell the doctor where you're hurting at so they can examine where you're hurting. But how can people, now watch this one. God gave this to me. But how can the sick go if they don't know how to? You know, a lot of people, just because that we have Jesus around us and we're, we can openly say that we love the Lord and that we can come to church every Sunday and Wednesday whenever the door is open, you know, a lot of people don't know Jesus, believe it or not. But here's the crazy thing. They may not know only Jesus, but they don't know how to come to Jesus. You know, a lot of times they don't know how to come to Jesus because you know why? Maybe their shame or their guilt or condemnation is holding them back from accepting Jesus. So what, how to come? But look at this. Where to? Where can I meet Jesus? Where, where can I meet him? You know, the Bible says that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. His Holy Spirit says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you go, I go. So you can do it wherever you're at. But then watch this. Or when to. How to, where to, and when to. God, when do I come to know you? The time is now. The Bible says no one knows the time of the hour when Jesus will come. If he can, the Bible says that he can come like a twinkling of an eye. And if God can come in the twinkling of an eye, guess what? He can come right now. You never know. You ever gone through a little town before? My dad lives in Blair, Wisconsin. Right outside of Blair, there's a town called Ettrick. And it's just Ettrick, all right? And it says unincorporated. I mean to tell you, if you blink, you're going to miss that town. Ettrick, where'd it go? I mean, I saw the sign, but where is it? There's nothing there. It's like I blinked and I miss it. You know what? That's the same way with God. You can blink and miss it. You never know the time or the hour of when Jesus is going to come. That's why we got to be in season and out of season and ready for his return. Amen? I like this. The fear of hearing sirens and seeing an ambulance is that someone might have died. Like our medics today, man, I, I, I tell you, I, I really want you to know I respect you. I respect you so highly. Man, I, as a pastor, I deal with emergencies and deal with things. Even like last night, we had an emergency. And I'm going to tell you, I don't deal with half of what you guys deal with. And I'll tell you, let's give it up for our medics, man. I'll tell you, I, I sure, sure appreciate you guys. I mean that. Man, but you know what? Instantly when they get a call on the radio or whatever, can you imagine your adrenaline all of a sudden just starts to pump? I mean, to tell you, all of a sudden you react and you get nervous and you get frustrated or whatever, like, what is going on? And you can't wait to get to the scene to find out what's happening because you want to minister to the person that's in need. And that's the same way with the soul. In life, there will be times, in life, time to be born, a time to die, and there'll be a time where we will end up. Where will we end up with God? In Luke chapter 23, and I thought Colton, where you at, Colton? I thought he was going to preach my sermon. I, I took the young man out, and this guy, I'm going to tell you, Walt, Denise, you got a great son, great son. I thought he was going to preach my sermon, and I looked at him. I said, oh, dude, you're talking about my sermon. You read my notes? But in this story, there's two people. And you've noticed that they're one on each side of Jesus. Jesus is the bridge for us to go to God. That's why he says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But there's two individuals that are on the cross. Two individuals that are there with Jesus. And I want you to see the picture of these two individuals. In verse 38 of Luke, he says this, There was written, notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. 
I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the, I'm the Messiah. I came to take away the sins of the world. Everybody knew and recognized who he was. But watch this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. In other words, who are you? Who do you think you are? If you're the king of the Jews and you're the Messiah, then why don't you take yourself off this cross? Can you imagine the ridicule? Even to the point of Jesus dying on the cross, he was being ridiculed. Watch this. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself in us. Show yourself. If you're all-powerful, almighty, all-sufficient God, all-knowing God, able to do all things, that nothing's impossible with you, then God, prove yourself. Do you know people like that? Maybe even yourself says that to God. God, why? Have you ever said that before? Why does this happen? But watch this. I love this. But the other criminal on the other side rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, he said, we are punished justly. Always remember this. God is a just God. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you, and he will pay back trouble to the things that we do. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and one day we're going to receive our reward, nay or yay, that we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. And we're all going to receive our reward. And God does things justly. Whenever you think that God doesn't do things fairly, you need to remind yourself of that verse. Wait a minute. My God does things right and just. So don't put yourself in the shoes of thinking that God neglects you and that he don't do things right in your life. He knows what's best. Have you ever had your kids say to you, Mommy, Daddy, why can't I do this? Why can't I touch the stove? Why can't I drive the car? Why can't I go outside at night? And you hear this, why, 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 why? And your response is, because. How many of you know I'm talking about? And they keep at you. Why not, Mom? Why not, Dad? And the response, because. Isn't that like Jesus? He knows what's right. And our response to our kids is, when after they go on at the certain amount of time, because I don't want you to get burnt when you touch the stove. I don't want you to go outside when it's dark and get hit by a car or somebody kidnap you or you get lost. I don't want you to drive a car because you don't have a license and I want to keep my car. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But Jesus knows what's best for you. And you might be like your son or your daughter. Why, God, why? And Jesus is down in Looking down from heaven saying, because. And that's not the answer sometimes you want to hear. But then he goes on to say, watch this. But we are getting what, we, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, this is so cool. I love these next things. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdoms. Watch Jesus' response. Jesus answered him. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And when I wrote this sermon and when Colton was talking to me about this, and it was in my spirit already, and I thought you were pickpocketing me. Give me back my wallet, matter of fact, man. Pickpocket me. got my sermon. But I started to think about the man that was insulting Jesus. Maybe someone you know who doesn't know Jesus who is insulting Jesus. Ever think about why maybe is that man on the cross that's insulting Jesus and has a lot of anger towards Jesus? Why? If you have your notes, the first one in verse 39 is rejection. The sick. But why, why was that man who was suffering even himself hanging on the cross still hurling his insults at God? Ever wonder about that? You're going to run into people in your life that are going to be so frustrated, angry, and mad. And you're going to wonder, why are they so mad? Maybe you can relate to this. Reasons why maybe this young man was so mad, reason why he might be sick is, number one, 
Maybe this man that was on the cross hurling his insults at God came from a broken home. My mom and my dad, they abandoned me when I was young. They left me. And maybe because they left, mom and dad left and abandoned him, he had this anger. Why can't I grow up with parents? Why did I have this lack of my mom? And my dad never came to a football game. And why? He had this anger built up inside him. Another one that maybe why this criminal was upset was he was never loved and accepted. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. Maybe he hung there on the cross feeling, why? Man, I don't care if I die. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody accepts me for who I am. They always want me to be somebody opposite of who I am. So why should I want to feel loved? A lot of anger. Maybe another one. Maybe this young man had health issues all his life. And you know anything about health, if your health is not right, when I had my back surgeries, Man, and I was walking way like this, even further down and walking with a cane. Man, I felt so, man, like miserable. I couldn't get out of my car. I couldn't lay correctly on bed. And all these things that I was facing from my back surgeries. Maybe he was angry because, God, if you loved me, why did I go through the suffering in my body? Another reason why maybe he was angry at God is he was raised in an ungodly home. Maybe he didn't know God. Maybe his parents could have been atheists. Maybe his parents could have been totally against God and the principles of God and, and the truth of God's word. You see, there's layer after layer after layer of why this young man could have been angry. Another one is a loss of a parent at a young age. God, why did you take my mom? Why did you take my dad? When I wrote this down, I can be honest with you and tell you that, man, I kind of had, it struck a nerve with me. Because, God, why did you take my mom immediately after she retired and she was still young in life? Why did you take her? Ever felt like that? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a parent at a young age and it hurts you. Another one is this. Addiction stole his hope. Addiction stole his hope. Man, God, because of my addiction... I lost my house, I lost my job, I lost my car, I lost my wife, I lost my kids. You need to play country music backwards and get your job back, get your house back, get your job back. Got to play it back, right? That's what he, maybe he lost his hope. Maybe addiction stole some of his life from him. Therefore, he felt empty-handed. Another one is this Never really understood where he belonged. Where's my fit in life? I'm a misfit. I don't belong anywhere. I don't belong with the jocks. I don't belong with the burnouts. I don't belong with the choir people. I don't belong with, with the band people. Where do I fit in my life? Ever felt like that? If you ever feel like that, guess what happens? You get angry at God thinking God made a mistake when he made you. God, you made a mistake when you made me. Why couldn't I have been like so-and-so? And why couldn't I have been like her? And why couldn't I have been like him? And you compare yourself with the Joneses, and you get out of your lane of who you are, and you find yourself in an accident. Maybe, just maybe, that's why that man was angry. You see, listen, when telling someone about Jesus, there may be layers of sickness, get this, Layers of sickness and shame that will keep them from accepting Jesus. You wonder why maybe there's people repelling Jesus that you know in your life. Maybe there's layers of hurt like the man on the cross. Maybe there's layers of hurt that, that is keeping him from the Lord. Last year, man, I'll never forget we had our family reunion at our house, and uh, it was my turn to cook. And I, I'll never forget, I was making bratwurst and fried vegetables, and we were cooking the, the peppers and the onions and so on. But I'll never forget, this is no kidding. Have you ever peeled back an onion? Man, I took the husk off the onion, started peeling it back, took all the rotten layers off it. And you know what? As I was peeling the onion back more and more, guess what? 
man, I started to cry because of the, 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 the onion strong. It was just, man, getting in my sinuses and making me sneeze. It felt like I had hay fever. And you know what? What happens? What happens in your life that you're going to run into people who have layers of pain. And every time you peel back a layer from that onion or from that person, it's going to make you cry. After all, the shortest verse in the Bible was in John chapter 11, verse 35. You know what it is? Jesus wept. Jesus wept over the needs of the hurts and the pain and the scars of people. And every time he came into a crowd, he was moved with compassion. And Jesus would weep because you know why? He would pare back the layers of pain. You see, you never know the person who you come in contact with who may have layers to who may have pain in their lives, who face rejection, who face the loss of a loved one. You see, listen, a doctor's role is to find the area of sickness in a person's lives and then fix it. If you go, be that doctor. Find the area of need in the person's life who maybe are hurting and rejecting Christ. Find the area of need. I find this to be true. People are always powerful when they're in a group. You know, they're like a wolf pack. When a wolf pack is all together, they can attack an animal and they can take the animal out when they're worked together. When they work together as a pack, they can conquer anything. But take one of those wolves out of the pack and get one-on-one -on -one with them, guess what happens? They become vulnerable. They become pliable. They listen. They're receptive. Why? Because they don't have their strength. You see, sometimes what you have to do is you have to pull that person out of the pack and get them one-on-one. -on -one. There's something about eye contact and looking in their eyes and their face and saying, Lord, Jesus loves you, and so do I. You see, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds. And how did he do it? By one by one, taking away from the pack and saying, he without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he won them one by one. Listen to this. You are the messenger of good news, the voice of Jesus' words. And you hold the key to their destiny. Man, the voice of good news. Let me tell you something. You once were lost, but now you're found. And what God did for me, he can do for you because our God is not a respecter of person. And if he can turn me around, he can turn you around. You have good news. And that good news is J-E-S-U-S. -S. Second thing that, that comes to my mind about those verses Number verse 40 of that. Look at the other guy. The other guy. Not the one that was ridiculing God, but the one that recognized God. In verse 40, look at what he says. Don't you fear God? You know what came to my mind when I was reading that? Obviously, that young man did something wrong to be hanging on the cross with the other criminal and right side of Jesus. Obviously, he did something wrong. Maybe, you know, it came to my mind, maybe it's like your wayward son or your wayward daughter or maybe somebody that maybe that you know that's gone away from Christ. But you know what the Bible says? That you do this, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. Think about this. Ashley, when that man said, don't you fear God, maybe, just maybe, in comparison from the one that hurled insults, maybe mom, dad, the seed that was sown in that criminal's life came to the top. My mama told me about Jesus. My daddy told me about Jesus. 
that fear God is the beginning of wisdom. It leads to path of righteousness. All of a sudden, that which you think is in vain in training your son and your daughter, it came to the top. And the young man who was dying just like Jesus was said, wait a minute. Pause. Time out. Don't you fear God. He came to a census. The one who hurled insults, now the one who recognized God. But when you think about fear, listen to this. Fear is not used to show, it's used to show respect, honor, and gratefulness towards the one who loves us, Jesus. So it's not this paralyzing fear that puts you in a man of state of panic. It's a fear of respect and awe and reverence towards the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. You see, let me tell you something. Your clothing, it's going to get outdated. Your hairstyle is going to get outdated. Even your makeup girls are going to get outdated. Your lipstick is going to change girls. Guys, your shampoo is going to change because you're going to lose your hair and you don't need none anymore. Things change. Things change, right? But you know what never changes? It has no expiration date. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love. God's love never expires. It never changes. It's the same every day. And you know what that love is? It reaches down to the depths of your soul and lets you know, I love you no matter what condition you're in in life. I love you. He loves you. So when you think about God, remember me. God, I fear you. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23, I love this great depiction of what it means to worship God. I hear people all say, what is the value, Pastor, of worshiping the Lord? I've seen the sacrifice, everything. I can't go to parties. I can't do this. Man, I'm giving up everything instead of gaining everything. What's the difference, God? Why? You ever thought about that? I hear people all the time, man, it's not a good trade for me. I'd rather do what I'm doing because God's boring. No, God ain't boring. It's how you make God. When you have a party, your party can be either boring or good. It's how you make your party. It's the same way with God. Do you know that God is a party in God? After all, when they ran out of wine, guess what Jesus did? He made better wine. You know why? Because he didn't want the party to be failed. Our God is a good God. And your value in walking for God is not in vain. But look what he said. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So when you break that verse down, check this out and it's on your notes. The results of fear and respect. Number one, when you fear respect God, it leads to life. John 10.10, the devil comes to kill, rob, or destroy, but Jesus says, I come to give you life, and life more abundantly. That's why he said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know why God says that? Because you may not have liked yesterday, but today's a new day, and you can start all over and rejoice. You see, rejoicing is a choice. I choose to rejoice today. I'm not going to let yesterday's scars hold me back from today's stars. And that's what God's saying. Another one is this. It leads to contentment and peace. There's an establishment of saying, God, regardless of what's going on around me, all the noise and all the fighting and all the struggles, all the hardship, God, I can be content because I know that, God, the battle is not mine, it's yours. And, God, if you're taking care of my battle, you never lost a battle, nor will you ever lose one. So, God, that's why I can say in Romans 8, 37, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Therefore, I can be content. My three sons, da, 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 da. leave it to Beaver. Happy, happy, happy. Because you could be content. Here's the other one. It leads to heaven, untouched. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more separation, no more hurts. It leads. 
In, in Proverbs, i got to move fast. Proverbs 14, verse 27, watch this. He says this, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's door, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, splat. <laughs> right? Watch this. Turning a person from the snares of death. It turns us, makes us do an about face. That's why it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, the fear is the beginning of doing your about face from falling off a cliff to turning to God to climbing the mountain. And you know and I know that when you climb the mountain and get to the mountaintop, there's more visibility of what you can see. You see, the enemy wants you to stay in the valley so you see less things and get discouraged and get defeated. There's nothing here for me. But when you start scaling that mountain and get to the top and you look around you, you say, oh, God, you are so good. God wants us to be mountain climbers. How do you do that? By fearing him. The fear or respect that gives we give him and live for him and surrender to him points us towards home, heaven. I got to move quickly, but verse 42 of those chapters, that verse, life changing moment. The criminal on the right, Jesus, remember me. Dear God, don't forget me, God. Have you ever been forgotten by someone? They wrote you off. Maybe you weren't invited by place or this, that, and the other thing, and you weren't invited, and they forgot about you, and it hurt. Jesus, remember me. How I many can remember the day you gave your life to the Lord? And, man, you had that moment with God that God transformed you, changed you, rearranged you. He remembered you. He changed you. He rearranged you. He put a joy unspeakable and full of glory in your heart. The moment, the twinkling of an eye, the flash of his hand, that God changed you, that he wants you to change others by telling them the good news. Whoo, that gets me excited. Our job is to give others who are sick the same moment by telling them about Jesus, like someone who told you. This last one, I, I love this. I, I, I love this. Watch what the guy says. Come to a census, train up a child. Look at Jesus' response. You got to remember, Jesus hears you. He speaks to you, and he responds to you. Now you got to get that. He hears you, speaks to you, and responds to you. So whenever you go into prayer, you got to get, man, your ears tuned to hear what the Lord is saying. My sheep heareth my voice. So don't ever think that your prayers are in vain. God hears you. And because the sinner cried out, Jesus remembered me, look what he says. In verse 43, today you will be with me in paradise. That's what he's saying. Heaven is a real place. Just like hell is a real place. Heaven and hell are not a science fiction movie. They are real. How I many you know what I'm talking about? They're real. They're not some make-believe science fiction novel story. It's real. Ever notice Jesus, when the disciples came to him, mom, the disciples, I don't know your name, but Molly's mom, Holly's mom, Molly's mom, Molly, Holly, Holly, holy, sing, sing a song. Ever notice when Jesus says to his disciples, they came to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, come broken, open, and humble. And they came to broken, open, and humble. And they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
watch how Jesus teaches them how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, and many of you know, and you can quote this, but then he says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now watch this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In those two verses alone, God identifies heaven as being real. So if you have your notes, check this out. Two points here. To get our eyes on Jesus, who is in heaven. Now watch this. And to live our lives here on earth to get to heaven. That's why he's saying, thy will be done. That we walk it out right now here on planet earth so that we can get to heaven. In Revelations chapter 20, verse 15, watch this. It's kind of scary, but it's true. He said, anyone, who, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. John the Revelator now is not talking about heaven where there's going to be peace. He's talking about eternal fire. Heat. My son's in Phoenix, man, 100 and some degrees all the time. Now he's like, what's up? Can you imagine? See the depiction? Heaven? Hell. It's not me saying it. You see, hell is a real place of eternal darkness, a fire that never dies, and a complete separation from God. I think we need to rescue those that don't know Jesus. Matthew 8, verse 12, and I'm going to just go read my notes, stay right to it. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My granddaughter, who's 11 years old, when they come to visit us at our cabin, they stay in the loft right next to our bedroom. And at night, she has a habit of grinding her teeth at night. And I mean to tell you, it's like taking your fingernails on a chalkboard. And you can hear it. So she has to wear these special things for her mouth and not grind her teeth. But can you imagine that? Gnashing of teeth. Eternal separation from God. Hell is not a place of laughter but a sorrow, which is pain, remorse about saying why, or regret, I should have, could have, would have. I should have. I should have accepted Jesus. Hell reminds you of the times you turned away from Jesus. Every time you turned away from God, guess what the enemy's going to do? Remember that? Remember that, Terry? You had the opportunity. You missed it. See, ran from Jesus, and even mocked Jesus. In Luke 16, I, I don't have time, but you can read it for yourself, but in Luke 16, it's a horrific story. It's a story of a man who was placed in hell. Why would Jesus send somebody to hell? Jesus not, doesn't want to send anybody there. Guess what? The clock ran out. He's given us warning, sign after sign, warning, warning after warning, but we blew the stop sign. Eventually, God's grace is going to wear out, and the time will come where you'll be left behind. After reading these verses of Scripture, you can read for yourself. An alarm should be going off in our heads. Who should I tell? Who should I touch? And where should I go? Once the sick enter hell, there is no turning back. There's no more forgiveness. Can you imagine that? The time's up. I want to start a campaign, and I'm going to do this. And Jessica, I want you to hear this because this came in my spirit when I wrote this. Jessica's got this T-shirt thing, and your pastor's going to start a campaign. You know what it's going to be? Fight for heaven. Instead of fighting against each other, fighting against things that are going on in our world, why don't we start fighting for heaven, seeing people get saved. Let's fight for heaven, seeing people get one to the Lord. And you're going to start coming out with T-shirts. Fight for heaven, not hell. Rescue those who are sick. 
and need to be healed and made complete in him. Hell is a place where you, where hell is a place where all you will know is the negative and the bad. There will be no pleasures. Can you imagine that? Always reminded of your things. How many of you have ever said this before? Will you stop reminding me of my past? Drives you crazy. Can you imagine? In hell, that's all you're going to hear. You did this. You did that. You did this. You did. I know. You did this. You did that. I know. You did this. It's not a pleasurable place. Remember, there's a time to be born and a time to die. What you are going to do between life and death for him, whatever you're going to do right now, what are you going to do from this time that you've been born to the time you die? There's a wide gap. What are you going to do in between this? I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. Why? Because I want to rescue them from the terror. You know, on your notes, it says that if you invite people to come to church, and you'll start seeing a video next week, but if you invite people to church, they say that 82% of the people you invite will come to church. Can I ask you a question? Why haven't you invited people, or why aren't you inviting people? Maybe because what you're doing out there is not representing that here. Maybe you don't want them to see who you really are. And you want to be a salamander and just blend in with all the rest. But that's not what Christians are. We go against the flow. We don't go with the flow because that's easy. So let me ask you, when's the last time you invited someone? And if you haven't, why not? We are supposed to rescue from the terror from the wiles of the enemy and give them life and life more abundantly. Will you stand with me this morning? I'll tell you, I know this was a tougher message today, but your pastor, Renee, it burns in me. I was telling my staff Tuesday, I, I just got overwhelmed on Tuesday. I, I, I wish sometimes, God, that you would take this fire from me I got five, six, seven years, man, to do what God called me to do. And I want to touch lives. There is nothing greater than winning a soul to Jesus. I close with this little story. Maybe you saw it on Facebook. My youngest grandbaby, Kinsley, just turned one. And I had... Had the, had the, we, Cheryl and I didn't have the opportunity to go to Arizona and be with her. But they sent us pictures, and you probably saw some of it online or on Facebook. And they gave her her first birthday cake. And she put it all over her face, and her mouth was wide open. And there was a sign of excitement, jubilee, and a celebration in her eyes. It's time that Adventure Church starts handing out birthday cakes so people can celebrate the birth of Christ in their life. We need to win one. Fight for heaven. Rescue from hell. Father, this morning, I thank you for every individual. Lord, I know that today maybe is not a, a uplifting or whatever, but it's a reality. It's an eye-opener. It's a reality that there is a heaven and there's a hell. And the reality of it is that, God, when we die, we're either going to go one or the other. And I pray that, God, that we will put on our radar those who are with void with Christ, that we are making a point to invite, to ask, to call people to, to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Let us be a church, God, that people will recognize and know that there's something peculiar and different going on in these four walls, and that's that we love people, love God, and we want to see them change for you. Thank you, Lord. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to ask you this morning, is there anyone here today, you say, Pastor, I don't know if I died today, what my reality would be, 
And I don't know if I have the certainty that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And Pastor, I want you to pray for me that if I had to go out of here and get hit by a car, that I'd have the certainty of going to heaven because I accepted Jesus in my heart. And with no one looking around, I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray right where you're at. I'm not going to call out your name because it's a very sacred moment. But you say, Pastor, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to make things right again. I want to make things right. If that's you, will you do me a favor? Just lift your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. Five hands so far. Anyone else? Keep them up because I can't see in the light. Yes, another one, six. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. Yes, another one. Yes, thank you. Seven. You say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have that certainty of where I'm going. Man, somebody just raised both hands. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may put them down. Now listen, when we get to heaven, guess what? The angels in heaven are going to be rejoicing because one came to the Lord. So here's what I want to do. I don't want just those six praying this prayer out loud. I want us all praying it out loud. So will you repeat this after me? It's an invitation to giving Jesus the opportunity to come into your heart. And when he comes into your heart, he transforms, changes, and rearranges your life, your outlook, and your purpose in life. Will you pray with, with me, all of us, everyone? Let's pray with these six, or excuse me, these seven. Complete number seven. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray out loud together. Come on. Heavenly Father, come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord, of my wrongs, my faults, and my failures. Become Lord and Savior of my life. I give you permission to take control. I let go. You, Lord, become big in my life. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Now today, I am new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Seven new people coming to Jesus. That's what it's all about. I want to say thank you for being here today. Go home and take a nap. Get your hour back. Amen. Take a nap. Get your hour back. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.